Nobody has more respect for women than I do. Nobody. Hillary Clinton wants to abolish it, believe me. She wants to abolish our Second Amendment. I think they didn't deny it. I don't think anybody denied it. Other presidents did not call, did write letters, and some presidents didn't do anything. Many people have come out and said, I'm right. You really do have to ask yourself, where does it stop? Hello and welcome to Fallacious Trump, the podcast where we use the insane ramblings of Tangerine Voldemort to explain logical fallacies. I'm your host, Jim. And I'm your other host, Mark. A logical fallacy is an error in reasoning that results in bad or invalid arguments. And the logical fallacy we're looking at this week is begging the question, also known as petitio principii and assuming the conclusion. So begging the question is one of those phrases which has taken on new meaning over the years. Mm. Um, these days it kind of means raising the question. So like mm. you might say like the bus has been late every day this week, which begs the question, will it be late next week? Right. And that's just part of language moving on and changing and that's okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can say, you can tell people they're wrong when they say it and yeah. how, what begging the question means, but they won't think you're very funny. And, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah. people just don't, I've learned over the years okay, people don't right. like it when you do that no which <laughs> so, begs the question where did yeah. they go to school yeah so begging the question as, as a logical fallacy mm. um, basically means it, it's a, it's assuming your conclusion it's assuming that your um, point that you're trying to make is correct and then using that assumption to try and provide evidence so it's a, oh, it's, okay, yeah. it's kind of like circular reasoning. There's a yep. lot of circular yep. reasoning in there, but um, we will talk about circular reasoning in, a, in another show. There's a little bit more reasoning to circular reasoning. Usually right. there's more steps <laughs> in the process to yeah. get there. With begging the question, it's, it's a bit more simple and it, it often can be just a way of kind of restating the conclusion mm. in different words and using it as one of your premises. So yeah. our first example this week from Trump is a is a fairly pure form of this, which is really mm-hmm. rare to find in the wild because mm, yeah. this is such a terrible way of trying to convince anyone of anything. In a way, this isn't really, in, if you're really being a purist, it isn't really a logical fallacy because it, it is logically valid. Because if you say, you know, X is true, therefore X is true, uh, it's right. not useful, it's not a good argument. No. But it's, it's just, not invalid. No, it's, not it's wrong. just a tautology, isn't it? It's <laughs> yeah, like, absolutely. yeah. It's, coffee it's is coffee is coffee. Really rubbish yeah. way of arguing. <laughs> yeah, it makes so, it doesn't further the argument at all. Yeah, yeah, and because it's such a rubbish way of arguing, usually you don't find ones where they just kind of restate the exact same words. But of course, with Trump, except for yes, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in his now legendary February 2017 press conference, where he, I mean, the first instance really of him rambling and going completely crazy on camera in front of all the press and then writing down everything he said. Um, yeah. He said this. And the leaks are absolutely real. The, the news is fake because so much of the news is fake. He was talking about leaks coming out of the White House and his contention was that the leaks were real, therefore something he could get annoyed about, mm-hmm. but the news about the leaks being real was fake, <laughs> which is uh, okay. bizarre. That- but but the, the reason that he knew that the news was fake was because so much of the news is fake. Uh, okay, right, right, and therefore the news is fake. Yeah, yeah. So it's yeah, it's kind of it's sort of it's weird, isn't it? Because it sets up. So I'm making this point, but the point I'm using to back up my point 
is the point. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. I'm just going to say, yeah, so this is a cup of coffee because it's a cup of coffee. <laughs> not even not even it's not tea, it's coffee. No, yeah. no there's no there's no real reasoning going on. That's no. the thing. That's that's the key to begging the question is there isn't really anything that could be described as as an argument there. <laughs> no, other other um, than a slight changes emphasis in the sentence. Yeah. Because it is fake. So our second Trump example comes from um, earlier this year, uh, one of the first uh, Democratic debates, and he was being interviewed and asked who he thought had a good chance of being the person that he was eventually going to be running against. I'll be watching the debates tonight. You know, if I didn't, you'd say, I can't imagine. (laughs) You know, I would like to know who I'm going to be running against. Maybe you'll tell me after this interview, right? You tell me. I don't know. I I mean, I I would think the four or five top ones would seem to have a big edge. You have some people that shouldn't even be wasting time. But I would think the four or five top ones would be the ones that would be, uh, you know, certainly have the best chance of getting in. So you can almost hear him edging towards that, you know, the, and then sort of yeah. pausing and thinking, well, how do I describe this in another way other than the four or five top ones? Yeah. The four or five so top ones are probably the ones the that ones have come out that on top. Best chance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it really is just another way of saying the same thing. And it, yeah, he's saying the ones that I think have the best chance of winning, in my considered opinion as an expert in these matters, yeah. are the ones with the best chance of winning. Yeah, yeah. Uh, That's, well, yeah. That, and so that it doesn't even... It, this is a, the pure example of just filling up the space where, <laughs> an, where a reason or where a, a conclusion would go or, you know, a couple of premises and therefore and then a logical connection between the two of them, which would lead inexorably to the conclusion and the people listening would go, oh, okay, then we've learned something new. So that space is being filled up by the fact that he's covering for not knowing who any of the candidates are. Yeah. I I would expect you to just go, <laughs> yeah, well, but- I don't know. Yeah, so he's kind of said, he's saying, you know, can you imagine... If I didn't watch what you would say, and then he says, I don't know, and then he's gone, oh, ah, what are they going to say with the fact that I don't know? And then he gives a learned, learned response. Yeah, I reckon the yeah, top, and it's top four or five. Like an answer. It's structured mm. like an argument, but yeah. lacking any actual argument at all. Yeah, so, or, any, or any substance beyond the initial statement isn't it? yeah yeah <laughs> and and sometimes it can form part of an argument and actually you might have something else to to it which may not be very strong and you want to kind of add more uh emphasis to it and and offer more arguments and the argument mm-hmm. you use is is a begging the question type argument and that's what trump did back in 2011 when he was doing one of his video blogs from his office in trump tower um, and ranting about how The Apprentice didn't basically win in the Emmys. He wasn't oh, yeah. actually talking about that. He specifically said, I'm not talking about The Apprentice, I'm not talking about myself, just generally The Appren- the, the Emmys are really bad. Uh, and he said this. Fewer and fewer people watch The Emmys each year, and for good reason. Their ratings are way down, they're just not doing a good job. So fewer and fewer people, fewer people are watching, watching The Emmys because their ratings are their down. Because their ratings are down. <laughs> uh, uh, okay. Right, yeah. And they're not doing a good job. No. They're not doing a good job by picking me to win an Emmy, <laughs> essentially is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly, yeah. 
yeah. <laughs> if they'd have done and that, that is, the if you watch been... that that vlog, that is what he goes on to basically say is that they are picked. The reason that they're boring is they're choosing the wrong people. They're choosing these programs that everybody watches and likes instead of, you know, the ones that they should choose. Like the ones that nobody watches and doesn't like. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. says when The Apprentice first came out and it was he was nominated for an Emmy. He wasn't. The show was, and and uh, yeah, everyone thought it was going to win. It was the hottest thing in television, and then it didn't win. And some other show won that wins all the every year and mm-hmm. that's he was just kind of <laughs> really he's never got over basically no. the fact that he didn't win an emmy we should have seen the writing on the wall really right then yeah should we and yeah. you know all the gags that the uh, uh the writers of south park were making about <laughs> trump running for president we should have listened like, we should have listened it's one of those things like um you know they say if if hitler had been a better artist and had actually sold some paintings maybe he would yeah, have risen he to would power. Have been, yeah, yeah 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 if the if the emmy judges had just given the apprentice an emmy maybe yeah. trump had wouldn't a bit, have had a bit of foresight needed uh, yeah to, yeah <laughs> to do all that he's done <laughs> with you know he thinks that just by stating what he's got to say that's sufficient argument and we should just pay attention he's never really felt any need to make any logical or reasonable argument so why start now that's yeah. basically it i think <laughs> and now is the time i think for mark's british politics corner whereas over here on the in the uk we've kind of <laughs> lived in a uh, in the political sphere in the, under this um, long-standing tradition that if people are going to make substantive arguments pers- to persuade people to change their view, then they would do that with you know a logical progression from these things that you know and these other things that you know. Here's the thing that I'm suggesting will change the way that you think about that, and that would lead to the conclusion that here's what I'm, this is how you, what you should change your mind to. And there's a long, long tradition of, of well thought out arguments until this current um, <laughs> Tory uh, parliament. You know, who thought we would be looking back to the um, heady days of Theresa May being in charge? But since <laughs> Boris has become in charge, it's kind of, uh, well, what did... Um, John Burke, the Speaker of the House, called it shambolic and repetitive or something today. And you go, oh, yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so the first example is, so this is all around the current, well, it's hype, really, that Boris has built up over his new deal that he's wrested from the uh, oppressors in the EU. Basically, what he's done is chop out the bits of Theresa May's deal that the EU were um, saying were sticking points and needed to um, be changed or looked at again because they were flying in the face of what the EU wanted to be able to um, continue to have, certainly in their relationship with Ireland. And so Boris just kind of took a scythe to all that and took them out and just went, OK, if we take that out, uh, would that work? And the EU have kind of gone, well, they're not there anymore. So the objections that we had to them can't be made because they're no longer there. So Boris hails this as a, a massive victory. Meanwhile, whilst this negotiation was going on, the Brexit secretary, Stephen Barclay, was interviewed by the Common Select Committee who kind of scrutinised these kind of things. And in an interview with the, uh, I can't remember who the MP was, but he asked him basically what makes this deal better than the last deal. Uh, and 
here's his reply. What makes you think that the deal that's currently being negotiated is substantially better than the deal that was previously negotiated? Well, I think first and foremost, because I think the deal will be delivered. And the key issue with the previous deal was the House of Commons rejected it three times. So the um, the begging the question, apart from the gunshot going off in the background <laughs> over that, so which kind of so he says first and foremost because I think the deal will be deliverable. So what makes this deal better than the last one? Well, I think it's because we can deliver this deal. Okay, why well, we can get it? We can get it through. Yeah, we can get saying? it through. And the key issue with the last deal was nothing to do with the backstop, nothing to do with the content of the deal, nothing to do with the fact that it flew in the face of EU uh, policies with regard to customs union with the Republic of Ireland or anything like that. But the, the key issue was the fact that it was rejected three times. So basically what he's saying is um, we could, this deal is better than the last one because people will vote for it. Yeah, because so, the question essentially is, in a way, the question was what makes the deal better, but really the question is what means this one's going to get voted for that the other ones didn't. That's yeah. really the kind of the yeah what the question That's is the... seeking. Yeah, and his his answer his is, answer is people will vote people will vote for it. Yeah, <laughs> what will make people vote for this deal? Well, people will vote for the deal. Yeah, so there's that which we, and you just and he says it without blinking an eye. It's just kind of, does he know what he's just said? Does he know that he's just gone round and literally disappeared up his own ass? You know, because he's, he's, he's just used the thing on the face of it, which is they're desperate to get this deal through. So they're doing all they can. They're throwing everything out. You know, it's like the hot air balloon game where you're, you know, the balloon's going down, uh, you're in a balloon with... A, a DUP MP, a scientist, uh, an economist, you know, uh, somebody that looks after the free trade deal between the Northern Ireland and Ireland. Which one would you chuck out so that you don't crash to the floor? And they're just throwing them out. And the only thing they're left with is people might vote for it. Yeah, the one, the one it makes me think of is the one with the, the kind of getting across the river with a bag of grain and chicken in the oh, pot. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's kind of like you <laughs> yeah. have to have the DUP and the the MPs in the boat at the same time. Yeah, you can't yeah. have the backstop. Yeah. yeah, yes, exactly, yeah. So, so you've got to drive, you've got to sail, you've got to row across. And how many times do you have to row across with Arlene Foster in the in the rowboat? <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. Also, there is the, in there literally an appeal to numbers where they're saying, okay, why is this a great deal? Is it, well, because a lot more people will like it. <laughs> yeah. And that, which is like Trump's thing, you know, that they're, they're doing really badly because nobody's watching, <laughs> not the other way around, yeah. So, and the second one, we haven't got a recording of this because nobody could bother to switch on a recorder. But this is um, another view on the same deal. Um, the Chancellor, Sajid Javid, he of the egg head, literally his head, head looks like an egg, um, Sajid Javid was speaking about the revised deal in Washington. He was over there doing something, inspecting the action figures of himself, I don't know. Um, and he said that the deal was good for the economy and he also said, I see no need for a new impact assessment. So there's a, it's a brand new deal which has stripped out lots of things. There was an economic assessment conducted by um, a kind of independent 
government think tank to look at, well, okay, under this deal, here would be the impact on business and the GDP and borrowing and budget forecasting. The deal has now changed radically enough so that people might vote for it. And he's saying there's no need for a new impact assessment, but it's good for the economy. So I think he's begging the question is that it's good for the economy. Well, how do we know it's good for the economy? Well, because I'm saying it's good for the economy. I mean, can we can yeah, we look I, at the figures? Uh, I think that's probably more of a proof by assertion. Ah, okay. Than, than a begging the question because he doesn't. He does. Tr- I mean, it's not really a, the. I see no need for a new impact assessment. Isn't isn't really a rewording of it's good for the economy. It's right. It's just saying take my word for it, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's almost like it. Yeah, it's good. Trust me, you don't need to look at the numbers. Do not do not look at the numbers. We yeah. nobody should look at the numbers. Just it's it's because I say so. So yeah, yeah. I'd yeah. probably call that proof by assertion. Okay, and then today, the twenty first of October. So that was the eighteenth of October. This is the twenty first of October. He wrote to the Treasury Cert Committee, actually the same people that just spoken to Stephen Barclay, and said, "My starting point is that agreeing the withdrawal agreement is self evidently in our economic interest." <laughs> so, so my question yeah. is: Is self evidence the very definition of begging the question? I think it probably is. Yeah, I think if you're that's the problem is his starting point is yeah. his answer. Yeah. Yes, that's the point of of logic and you know science and all that stuff is you're not supposed to start with the conclusion. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not. Yes, you're not starting that as your first. You're not petitioning the first thing to say. Okay, so when we reach the conclusion, it will be where I started from. Yeah, yeah that's exactly it, isn't it? Yeah, right. Well, before we go any further, I've got it right. It's a good thing, and that's my starting point. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, and it's self-evident, which made me think about the uh, Constitution of the US. It said, we hold these truths to be self-evident. Yeah. That all men think, are created equal. And you kind of think... I, I, mm. In a way, I think there's there's an implied there's implied reasoning there in a way that right. for some reason is doesn't show up in in what we just heard cuz i i mean i could be completely wrong but but i i think it's implied that we hold these truths to be self-evident because we can see the evidence all around us for mm. them mm-hmm. you, know, it's, it's, you know we can we can tell why they're good yeah rather than just you know, and we all agree on you those should, yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. yeah 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 um but yes uh admittedly if if it would if you were just basing it on the self evidence then that is problematic yeah. yeah so i guess it's got to we all need to agree on the the fact that the starting point is you know self self evidently in our economic interest that's got to be a a general notion in order for somebody to draw on it and and basically they're saying okay we're all agreeing the starting point aren't we rather than we're going to sajid and we're saying okay why is this a good deal or show us how this is a good deal and say well for a starter i'm going to come from the place that it's a good deal you go well no you've not answered the question there yeah in fact you you've begged it yeah and actually it made me think about because on friday the day before the uh, big march in london um which was about 
seeking some more representation from the people rather than allowing, you know, half a dozen MPs to decide whether this is a good deal, self-evidently or not, that the the People's March were uh, are advocating it should go back to the people and whatever deal you have, um, because it's so far away from, even if it's only in terms of it's a lot more detailed than the proposition that was put forward during the, re- the leave campaign for the referendum, what they're saying is now that it's so different, we ought to have a chance to say, ah, yeah, that's what we meant when we meant to leave or no, we don't want to leave under those conditions, blah, 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 blah. Ahead of that, two Labour MPs said a no-deal Brexit would risk the people's prosperity and a second referendum will only deepen the schism of the past three years. And I think there's a an unproven assumption there, i.e. a begging the question about the second referendum deepening the schism. You can't prove that, but it relies on that for it to be true. It just occurred to me that there, there's an assumption on their part that we all agree that there is yeah. a deep schism so saying we as a result a of... referendum because it would cause more divide. Yeah, if half the people vote for one thing and half the people vote for the other, like last time. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, it's very, it's, if not a fully, fully kind of assuming the conclusion, mm. they are assuming the result of the referendum yeah. in doing that. And, they, well, and, and it's also actually, they're, what it is, is a, is a false dichotomy as well, because they're kind of saying we've got to not have a referendum because that will just deepen the schism. And what's interesting is, of course, the other side of the question, the final Say March website itself says the only way to break the deadlock in Parliament and legitimise the outcome and allow us to talk about something else is to give people the final say. So what's interesting, they both say only second referendum (laughs) will only deepen this and the only way to break the deadlock is to let other people vote. So is to say... Well, the only way to solve this is to have a referendum and the others are saying the only way to solve this is to not have a referendum. And I think they, yeah. they are based on an assumption on the part of the speaker that they are right, that it will lead to that conclusion. And you think, well, what's that based on? Well, it's based on nothing but my belief that that's the case, which is probably more like Sajid's first statement than his second one. This unspoken unproof, I think, is at the bottom of the whole of the get Brexit done mantra that the Tory party are going on about, that simply the doing of Brexit is enough to solve the problem of Brexit. So I think that the whole of the get Brexit done thing is a begging the question loop. Yeah. Well, also, it kind of presupposes that once the the vote is done or the, you know, the push is done that's the end of all our problems yeah yeah yeah. i I don't i don't remember who i saw on twitter who said it and i would uh, credit them if i did but they said um saying get brexit done is a bit like saying i just want to get this birth over with so i can get back to sleeping well and reading lots of novels (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah which you know not gonna happen for at least 25 years yeah (laughs) That's great. See, and my other note that I put down is being an impartial, rabid socialist, I think it actually <laughs> it hides the means 
So the uh, get Brexit done is the end that justifies the means. And I think what it does is actually hide the actual means, that of ushering in a hardline right-wing Tory manifesto intent on dismantling the EU's social, environmental and proposed anti-tax avoidance measures. But that, of course, by the same token, is me begging the question. And there's an assumption on my part that uh, ushering in that manifesto and dismantling the EU's policies is wrong because it relies on me believing that the EU measures are good and right. Yeah. For that to for that to be true. So there is and uh, so the whole <laughs> whole of my socialist standpoint I was going, <laughs> "Oh no, I've been begging the question all this time." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And rather than the end justifying the means, begging the question is the end justifying the end. Yeah. It's back to Brexit means Brexit, Absolutely, isn't it? Yeah. Let's get yeah. Brexit done so we can get Brexit done. Aiken there with his 2008 hit, Beautiful, which contains the fall- the, uh, the begging the question fallacy in the lyrics, I wouldn't leave you because you're that type of girl to make me stay. <laughs> okay, so in the fallacy in the wild, we like to talk about the fallacy of the week from a non-political perspective. And our first example this week is from a British sitcom called Porridge, which starred Ronnie Barker and aired, I think, in, I want to say, the 70s. Yeah. Which... Was very good, and and I don't know if it ever made it to the states, but um, I expect they did a, a shoddy knockoff of it. Um, <laughs> we would have called point. it oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's about a guy who is in prison, and it all takes place in the prison. And in this particular episode, um, uh, another prisoner ha- has kind of turned up for the episode, and he is a former appeals court judge ah. who has been caught doing something naughty and put in prison. And over the course of the episode, uh, he ends up getting released because the appeals court hears Mm. his case and his kind of friends on the court find him innocent. Um, Mm -hmm. And the the guard, Mr Mackay, thinks this is this is proof of something. If the appeal court judges say his nose is clean, that's good enough for me. They are, after all. Men of the highest integrity in the land. Who are you talking about? He's one of them. Precisely. And he's innocent, which proves my point. (laughs) <laughs> that's great yeah so they've made him they've proved him innocent and then uh-huh. and the fact that they, they let him off proves that they are not criminals <laughs> yeah yeah they've let him off because they're of the highest order and so is he because he's innocent yeah <laughs> that's good oh it makes you want to go back and watch it all over again it that is series. a fantastic yeah. series if you haven't seen it 
I suggest looking it up. So our second example is from a more common show that we go to, which is The Simpsons. Yay! And this is an early episode. I think it might be the first appearance of the aliens, uh, Kang and Kodos. Oh, okay. And this is where they are pretending to be um, politicians. One of them is being Bob Dole and the other's being Bill Clinton. <laughs> and, uh, and they're running for office. And Homer is the only one who knows the truth. America, take a good look at your beloved candidates. They're nothing but hideous space reptiles. It's true. We are aliens. But what are you going to do about it? It's a two-party system. You have to vote for one of us. Right, this is a two-party system. Well, I believe I'll vote for a third-party candidate. Go ahead. Throw your vote away! <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So the thing the question there is basically in Kang believing that a vote for a third party candidate is a, is throwing your vote away, even in the situation where the two main parties yeah. are being are aliens. by aliens yeah, yeah. to eat humanity. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> Yeah. That made me think of here when we had the European elections, there was a campaign to vote tactically. So there were um, you know, saying, okay, in this particular seat, if you vote for this party's candidate, it's more likely they will get in which is a vote for the opposition. It's against the people we want to get in. And they were, and it just made me think of that. So you're kind of going, yeah, but it's a two-party thing. Well, I'm going to vote for somebody else. Yeah, but you're going to waste your vote. So then, yeah. the, so which just perpetuates the two-party thing. So that was a kind of a frightening moment when I had <laughs> conversations in my house about, well, look, we should vote for this candidate, but that means they're more likely to get in. Yeah, but I want to vote for these people. Yeah, but then... Then the bad guys will get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm... absolutely, and that is a it is a real thing. And Jill Stein voters should feel bad because they did bad things and they helped Trump get in. So yeah. you know yeah. it is genuine, especially yeah. in America. In the UK, we kind of have three parties, but really there's only two that have a chance of getting in. So. Yeah. If you do want to vote Liberal Democrat, then people do say, well, that's just a wasted vote. It's mm. stupid. But, uh, but it is only stupid because everyone believes that already. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, yeah. if anyone actually believed that the Liberals could get in, then potentially more people might vote for them because it wouldn't be a wasted vote. And then they would Exactly, because if everybody voted for them, be wasted. if everyone yeah. voted for them, they everyone, would get in. <laughs> they'd yeah. get in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So we're going we're gonna to play fake news, folks. I love the game. It's a great game. I understand the game as well as anybody. As well as anybody. Yes, it's time for fake news, the game where I read out three Trump quotes, two of which are real and one I made up, and Mark has to figure out which one is fake news. Yep. Basically, you've got to let me win this this week, because only then can I score more points and get ahead. <laughs> that is fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so our theme this week, actually, yeah. is that all of these uh, quotes come from the press conferences that Trump did with visiting Italian Prime Minister Sergio Mattarella. Oh, OK, yeah. Because, I mean, he's just... I think his mind's on other stuff at the moment. <laughs> Do you think? And, yeah. and yeah. so, so yeah. more than ever, I think, probably, when he's really kind of supposed to be doing one thing, he's actually focusing on other things and talking about being impeached and... Right, uh, Syria and things like that. But his mind are on other things anyway, all the time. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. If if anything, frankly. if anything just goes um, past the window, yeah. he really that's, <laughs> his mind's on that. Yeah. 
So, but he did start off uh, with reading from a script. Oh, okay. And the first, so our first statement is is scripted, and he said, "The United States and Italy are bound together by a shared cultural and political heritage dating back thousands of years to ancient Rome." Mm-hmm. Over the centuries, the Italian people have blessed our civilization with magnificent works of art, science, philosophy, architecture, and music. Okay, wait, what? Thousands of years to the United <laughs> States and thousands of the shared cultural political heritage dating back. No, it's like, no, it isn't. It's like 300 at a push. Okay. What? Okay. <laughs> statement number okay. two. <laughs> okay, maybe bits of Las Vegas. Yeah, okay. Uh, statement number two, he was asked yeah. during the press conference about with pulling troops out of Syria. Okay. And he said, it's not our border, we shouldn't be losing lives over it. But again, we only had 28 soldiers. It was 26, 28, I got all different numbers. It ends up being 28. Between 26, 28. Two people, and they're fully accounted for. So that's the story. It's very simple. Well, but... Hey, but what? Between twenty six and twenty eight is only one person. Twenty seven. What? And it's not two people. It's twenty eight people. We shouldn't be losing lives over it. But we only had to. Okay. Okay. And, All right. And, yeah. Uh, statement number three. And remember, he is sitting next to the Prime Minister of Italy, whose name mm-hmm. is President Mattarella. Yeah. He said. We have won a 7.5 billion award from, as you know, it's, mm-hmm. I guess it's been pretty big news. And I know this, this is against the European Union and Italy is going to be paying a part of that. Mm. And President Mozzarella and I are going to be talking about that. <laughs> no, no. That, what? No. That ca- no, he can't have got mine. Mm. <laughs> okay. <laughs> But that is, you just go, oh, yeah. Well, that's along the lines of Tim Apple, isn't it? And then here's <laughs> Tim Apple and uh, here's Bill Microsoft. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. All right, then. Well, I, um, okay, I think the numbers one is probably going to, yeah, I think the mozzarella is, <laughs> it's, it's too funny to be true, but then it could be true. Uh, okay, and that thousands of years. What? So which? Okay, which bit of that was scripted? All, all of that? No. Bound together, our shared cultural and political heritage. Oh, science. Mm, okay, thousands dating back thousands. But that's a very good joke too. Snuck in it. See, I've got to think. Well, is this Trump or is this Jim? <laughs> and if it's Jim, sneaking that in there is really. Clever way of hiding it. Pretty big news. I know this gets you opinion. It's going to be part of that. <clears throat> I want to hear him say mozzarella. <laughs> uh, okay, but lies over again. We only had 20 subjects. <sighs> okay, I think that number two is the one that you made up. Okay, so the other one. two. Yeah. Which are you more confident about? Um, what they actually said. That he actually said. <laughs> which, confident which is a weird like? word. Is a weird <laughs> word to associate with him. Uh, which one would I like him to have said more than the other? Uh, I uh, okay. I I think he uh, the thousands of years. Uh, yeah, that one. Let's go number one. 
Okay. Yeah. That's, so that's, one. You, that's your joke snuck in, isn't it? I failed it to is. spot it. Yeah. Real. Oh, what? The United States and Italy are bound together by a shared cultural and political heritage dating back thousands of years <laughs> to ancient Rome. Over the centuries, the Italian people have blessed our civilization with magnificent works of art, science, philosophy, architecture, and music. So what, whose civilization? America. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to defend Trump, or at least his speechwriters here a bit. Okay. Um, I think it's a t- it's an appallingly written yeah. piece, and appallingly <laughs> read as well. Yeah. He just could not be bothered. In fact, I'm going to play just a little bit more of him yeah. reading this, and until he gets to a point where he gets to basically War. bring on indigenous people, okay. he doesn't kind of liven up at all. Okay. So... He continues like this. On Monday, we pay tribute to the Italian explorer who led a voyage of discovery to the New World. A gentleman known as Christopher Columbus. And to me, it will always be called Columbus Day. Yeah, because fuck the indigenous people day. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Uh, yeah. And it will, and to, <laughs> I will and always to everybody the else. Raping and yeah. pillaging of indigenous people. <laughs> <laughs> and naming it well, after. How he read it is just, uh, uh, I know. The United States and Italy are bound together, but it's just. It's really like listening to a voiceover always, in, in yeah. 2001 on the space station. You know, it's like a <laughs> it's news broadcast. It's the first time he's seen it. You know that yeah, he's never yeah. ever read through anything before. So he's yeah. just kind of trying not to mess up too badly in the reading. Perhaps that's what he does when he reads he just reads out in a monotone like that yeah when he's reading or at least his lips are moving and sounds coming out wow it is so really it's, badly it's, read. it's really badly read it's really badly written <laughs> but i think what they were going for right was was the fact that the american government particularly washington dc as a whole has drawn a lot from the heritage yeah. of ancient Rome, yeah. including things like having a senate, for example, yeah. and, and and all pillars. of the buildings that are in the kind of yeah. neoclassical style. Yeah. yeah, so there is a shared political heritage in the sense that Rome had it, and then yeah. when they yeah. set up America, they went, "Oh, that was good. Let's nick yeah. their stuff." Yeah, it's yeah. more cultural appropriation than shared heritage, yeah. is what I'm saying. <laughs> But I think that's what yeah. they're going for. But, and also there's an attempt to retrofit the United States as being an ancient civilization. you know, that, uh, that maybe the, the authors of the Book of Mormon would have you believe yeah. as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone on Twitter uh, defended this by saying that um, he, he, they think what Trump was going for was basically that, you know, relative to their peers, America has kind of been uh, relatively long-living and mm-hmm. uh, and kind of had lots of c- civil stability, and and I pointed right. out that that in the UK we have pubs three times older than their country. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I don't know what yeah. peers they're talking about that yeah. they think they are relatively long-standing compared to. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that that reminds me of the story. My son at uh, when he was at Cambridge University, there were a whole bunch of American tourists standing in the square looking at King's College, Cambridge, or something, and uh, he overheard them saying, "Oh, do you think that's pre-war?" And he said, "Lady, <laughs> it's pre-America." <laughs> yeah. yeah. But both both the school and the university I went to are more than twice as old as America. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> wow 
Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> right. You also think that number three oh, is I real. I think number three I is think real. Is number three as real as the, yeah, the yeah, more accurate thing. Yeah. And number three is... Yeah. Fake news. Oh, man. He did not call you President Mozzarella. President Mozzarella. Oh, I've sure gone well, for the numbers. Lots of people thought he did. Lots of wow. people were saying, uh, like, as you know, a lot of people are saying that, um, yeah, you know, many people. especially because there was there was an Italian translator who was sitting behind Trump and translating for Mozzarella. Yeah. And her face was a picture. Oh, yeah, that was the, the thing the, where they said, yeah, lots of sand in the, Syria. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, they're, yeah, they're fighting. I, that was one of the other things that I might be yeah. thinking about picking as a as an option. But, yeah, they're fighting over lots of sand. There's a lot of sand there. They can have the sand. It's, yeah. yeah. Um, and she just couldn't understand what's going on. Like, yeah. She had to translate it into English first before she could translate it into Italian. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and <laughs> so things went round the social media saying, look at this translator's face when he calls the president of Italy President Mozzarella. Oh, but yeah. actually, he didn't. He didn't. So. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Damn. But yeah, no, but a nice one. Nice one for sneaking that in there. I should have spotted that. Yeah, <laughs> I suspected your one up the top and then you chew on it in down the bottom. Oh, Which okay. means number two is oh, bloody hell. real. So he did say this. Oh, yeah, got to hear that. It's not our border. We shouldn't be losing lives over it. But again, we only had 28 soldiers. It was 26, 28. I got all different numbers. It ends up being 28 between the 26, 28. Two people, and they're fully accounted for. So that's the story. It's very simple. Well, it isn't very simple no. at all. And it's kind of, and also a little bit frightening that it's not <laughs> our border. We shouldn't be yeah. losing lives over it. Yeah. So the border with Mexico. You should be losing lives over it. Is that the implication? Yeah. Oh, if it was our border, people would, would, yeah, it's fine to kill people on our border, but not on another. Yeah. 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 Okay. So out of the 28, were two accounted for. And, and that's really not clear. <laughs> and 26 died. Yeah. But we only had it's, 28 it's, soldiers die. There were 28 soldiers. That they, I think what he's saying is this, this, when they announced that they were pulling the soldiers out mm. and leaving the Kurds to it, yeah, um, it was only 28 soldiers that they were pulling out. So it wasn't like a, a huge troop movement. Right. It was just that in this area, which the Turks wanted to invade, yeah. or, there were 28 Americans. through which gate they wanted so, to. Yeah. So they got the Americans out of the way so yeah. that the Americans wouldn't accidentally be shot while the Turks would commit shooting other people war crimes. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. So yeah, and Trump is saying, you know, how awesome that is, and how mm. proud he is of it. And it's yeah. very simple. And and we shouldn't be there. And I'm just going to deploy them somewhere else rather than bring them home. Well, actually. send them straight to Saudi Arabia where they're yeah. paying to have American soldiers there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because there nobody, we don't go to fight anywhere where nobody pays us. No, yeah. absolutely. We're yeah. not in the... Yeah, why, should, why should we be risking American lives to protect our allies when we can be risking them for money? Yeah, exactly. exactly. We're not going to give it away. We're not gonna, we need to make some something on the deal. Otherwise, <laughs> that's just, you know, it's just altruism and, and peace and stability. Yeah. You know, what price that? Boo nerd. So... 
<laughs> All of which means <laughs> that unfortunately you didn't get this. Oh week, no! Uh, this week, uh, oh, and you are now so much. On, just because uh, fourteen out of thirty-four, which okay. is, I believe, forty-one percent. Okay, I will slip from uh, the meaning of meaning of life, the universe, 40, 40, 40, yeah. yeah, and everything recurring. Oh well. And it's time for the part of the episode that this week, at least, is called A Letter to Turkey is Not a Logical Fallacy. Because, yes, there have been other things going on. There have been democratic debates and we normally talk about the debates. And, and yeah, so the debates just really quickly. Uh, Elizabeth Warren said lots because everyone tried to attack her because she's now basically seen as the front runner. And so that gave yep. her an opportunity to yep. um, say more than anyone else. And probably it didn't move the needle for anyone because none of the debates so far really have very much no. and we saw that bernie sanders even though he had a heart attack last week seems absolutely fine and raring to go so yeah there you and go. the, t- and the, the top f- top four or five people will be the ones <laughs> they, that they have come the out chance. top yeah yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> you see if they don't but we couldn't really talk about that because <laughs> another bloody war happened yeah because just after we recorded last time trump spoke to Erdogan of Turkey on the phone and Erdogan said that he really, really, really wanted to kill some Kurds mm. but the Americans were in the way and is there anything he could do about that? Yeah, and I want to get rid um, of these three million pesky Syrians that I've, yeah. you know, out under recent, previously, five years prior to that, they kind of sheltered in the, the northern reaches of Turkey and now they're kind of going, we're getting a bit fed up with them. So they want to shove them back over the border. But, of course, it's full of Syrians from the other side of the camp and uh, yeah. they don't want them there. So they need a need a buffer zone. Yeah. Meanwhile, the and, Kurds... And- Trump very kindly said, "Of course, yeah. we'll just we'll just take our twenty-six or twenty-eight, depending on how many uh, Americans out of the line of fire, so that you can attack our allies who helped us to defeat ISIS." Yeah, um, but only only ISIS. I think go as far back as like the Second World War or anything. Yeah, so. although. Actually, they did. <laughs> <laughs> the Kurds did fight alongside us. So, yeah. That yeah. The very place the Americans yeah, was, were there. Yeah. They <laughs> that were was right the there. argument that he used. Yeah. 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 The Kurds. Where were the Kurds when we needed them back in the Civil War? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They didn't, they didn't help yeah. us then. So, why should we stick around and help people who've helped us defeat the biggest terrorist scourge in the world? Yeah. Um, uh, but obviously, he came on, uh, under quite a lot of pressure to to do something because he he did claim that if Turkey did anything that was bad in his great and unmatched wisdom, mm-hmm. he would step in yeah. and destroy them economically. Because he has done before. Well, he, well, he's only done that to his own yeah. country, but yeah, he, he, you so, know, he does have form. That. <laughs> yeah. So he sent a letter to right. Erdogan, um, and it's amazing. it's honestly uh, so many people who who saw this letter at first when it was first kind of discovered and and came out yeah thought it had to be a hoax it had had to be be someone just (laughs) taking the piss yeah so jim has written for fake news yeah yeah. there was no way that this was genuinely a letter from the white house to a foreign leader yeah 
And, out, out of uh, the, the leader of the free world's head office, yeah. But the best thing is that this wasn't something that was kind of leaked, you know, uh, as a freedom of information request. Trump released this letter as evidence of how tough he is being. Yeah, yeah. This and was, how he's he proud keeps, of this. Yeah, and how he keeps all the other despots in line by <laughs> by kowtowing to their every need in in... So, in the hope that they will let him join the gang. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to read it. Cause yeah, do. Yeah. It's, it's not long because Trump can't maintain no. any kind of attention for long. <laughs> so he says, dear Mr. President, let's work out a good deal. Exclamation mark. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, he's basically a used car dealer anyway. Yeah. Um, you don't want to be responsible for slaughtering thousands of people. He's got that wrong for a start. Mm-hmm. And and I don't want to be responsible for destroying the Turkish economy. And I will. <laughs> <laughs> I've already given you a little sample with respect to Pastor Brunson. This is a nice country you have. <laughs> yeah, shame be ashamed that if something it. happened to it. Yeah. <laughs> I have worked hard to solve some of your problems. The problem presumably being... He couldn't kill couldn't, the Kurds. Yeah, couldn't get into He's worked the, hard to solve that problem. Yeah, yeah. Don't let the world down. You can make a great deal. General Maslum is willing to negotiate with you and he's willing to make concessions that they never would never have made in the past. I am confidentially enclosing a copy of his letter to me just received. So that, he is, he, he is passing on a yeah. correspondent, confidential correspondence from... From the opposition. Yeah, to yeah. to to another leader, that's not a good thing. No, um, well, given that the the that that's the SDF, isn't it? So that's the yeah, yeah. They're like the allies, and he's giving that to Turkey. He's giving insider knowledge of um the, the our our the West's allies in Syria to the West's enemies in Syria. Even though it's you know, it's more it's a little bit more complicated well, than that. Yeah, it's, it is but, complicated because yeah. Turkey is our our, our NATO, yeah, our NATO ally. Yeah, but um, they are definitely trying to kill people who we have fought alongside with and are still in yeah. parts of Syria in order to bring to. down the Syrian. So this is what what is it? What does SDF stand for? That's the Syrian uh, Syrian Dem. Def- Democratic, Democratic force, defence force, Democratic force. No, Democratic force, I think. Yeah, and they're the ones that are uh, pro-Assad or against Assad? Well, or, previously... Or, or against ISIS? They're against ISIS. Yeah. They weren't... Uh, they were not a pro-Assad, definitely, but right. they were forced to form an alliance right, with, with Assad the, yeah. um, against the Turkish when right. we let them, or when America just let them go. So, yeah, yeah, they... they really so, what, not, so what Trump has done... They, they had, basically, they, the Kurds had a kind of enclave. They, they yeah. had, they'd created a, an enclave for them in Syria where they were left largely, not in peace exactly, but they weren't... They weren't constantly being attacked by the Syrians, but they were under threat of attack by the Turks, which is just yeah. across the border. Yeah. And and the fact that Americans were there, even if it was only twenty six or twenty eight Americans, yeah. meant you can't just like want, for example bomb them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, because then the Americans good. tend to get annoyed about that. Yeah. Um, so by by taking them out, Trump 
absolutely knew he was greenlighting mm. an invasion uh, in which the lots of people would die. Yeah, because the Kurds are traditionally uh, what well, Turkey views them as their enemies. Yeah, absolutely. So even even more so than the Syrians or ISIS or any you know they're on a par with the worst of the enemies. You know, go way back to you know a much more previous wars you know there's yeah. been a that's why the Kurds were protected during the conflicts and to get them out of the way of Turkey so that they whilst were busy doing other things the Turks weren't allowed to just come in and kill off the Kurds and uh, until Trump for whatever reason went oh yeah I can help you there I'll just remove my 26 28 to yeah. soldiers yeah, what? So, Send them off somewhere else. To conclude the letter, he says, mm. um, history will look upon you favourably if you get this done the right and humane way. It will look upon you forever as the devil if good things don't happen. Don't be a tough guy. Don't be a fool. I'll call you later. <laughs> <laughs> the, what? So, so is he doing that to say, OK, I did this stupid, irresponsible thing by withdrawing the American troops that were keeping the peace, albeit a fragile one, but they were keeping the peace and protecting many, many people were being protected. I've done that, and now I'm going to shift the blame onto Erdogan for... I think... So, I think so that he doesn't just, proceed. I I think he is literally just writing it so that he can point to it and say, look, I wrote a letter. Yeah, look, yeah. I was, I was yeah. tough with him. I threatened him. Uh, of course, since then, supposedly Pence negotiated a ceasefire with right. the Turks, which the Turks refused to call a ceasefire. Right. Um, the Americans called it a ceasefire, but Erdogan said that this is not a ceasefire, we will never have a ceasefire. And uh, all it was was a five-day pause in hostilities so that the Kurds could leave the area. So basically right. it was saying, disarm, get out, or yeah. we'll kill you. Again in five days. Yeah. The next day they were back to mortar fire and and attacking them again. Mm. So the yeah. ceasefire didn't even last the, what they said it would. No. Nah. And that has had no impact whatsoever. Trump has not come down on them in any way economically or caused them any difficulty because, honestly, he didn't care. No. Apparently Erdogan threw this letter immediately in the bin when he <laughs> received it. I'm yeah. guessing because he thought it was a hoax. Cause yeah. <laughs> Because he just thought yeah. this had been written by some eighth grader in Colorado, and, and that's right. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Not yeah, that, even that's the, even the crayon signature <laughs> at the bottom isn't. You know, it can't possibly be from a grown man. And, it, and yeah, no, it is. You know, the kind of the just squiggle, squiggle, squiggle. It's kind of yeah. Oh my god! It's just. It sounds like a ranty thing. You know, he's pacing up and down, flipping between. CNN and Fox News shouting and somebody's writing it down. And then, and then, so do you want me to send this? Yes, I do. Go on, do it. I'll call him later. I'll, yeah, put that at the bottom. I'll call you later. Yeah, put that. <laughs> yeah. Don't be a, don't be a tough guy. Don't. Yeah, don't be a tough guy. Because what the fuck? It's kind of, what is, how is that foreign policy? How is that? in any way responsible it, what it's just it is a really badly scripted threat isn't it <laughs> you know it's still yeah. it's, i will turn this car around yeah 
<laughs> if you don't stop bombing the Kurds back there, I'm just going to stop it right here and you can walk. Yeah. Meanwhile, for five days, Turkey's going, I'm not bombing you, can't get mad. Not bombing you, can't get mad. Whilst they're poking them in the head, yeah. And he, he's tried so many different uh, tactics on this. Apart from saying that he'll, you know, cause them great, he'll, he'll destroy them economically. Mm. He's also said that, you know, they don't need to be there because it's not their land and it's 7,000 miles away, which is almost identical to how far Saudi Arabia is away from the US. Um, uh, yeah. And yep. they shouldn't risk lives for, for not their border. And um, also the Kurds, not good people. Apparently, no. not only were they not there for them in the wars, no. they are not angels. And, and the PKK, the, the kind of um, the Kurdish terrorist forces, I guess, guerrilla forces. Yeah, well, uh, you know, one are, man's are, freedom fighter. Yeah, They are worse than ISIS. In oh, many ways, OK. Yeah. Apparently, according to Trump. Yeah. Not true in any it, way, no. by any measure, <laughs> no. by, in terms of what they do, how many people they've done it to, or yeah. in any, any kind of measure that you could possibly have for testing how bad a terrorist group is they are and nowhere near anything like isis and and the w one thing this has caused is a number of isis prisoners who were being held by the kurds yeah. have been um, have escaped, escaped. Or, or have been released yeah yeah that, so yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> the number of times that trump in the campaign accused obama of of causing isis yeah, um, and then took credit for for ending ISIS yeah. when actually it was really mostly the Kurds that did that. But hey, where were they when Christopher Columbus was landing? Yeah, <laughs> see, they were nowhere to be seen. So we don't want to know about it. Where were they at Little Bighorn? Remember the Alamo? No Kurds there. Yeah, no, none whatsoever. Yeah, deserve what they get. And he said, "Oh, jeez." And finally, some things we really don't have time to talk about. You know how if someone asks you to do a job you don't like doing, sometimes you mess it up really badly so they don't ask you again? Well, I'm pretty sure Trump's acting chief of staff, Mick Mulvaney, doesn't like doing press conferences. And mission accomplished, I don't think he'll be doing any more. <laughs> Last week, Mulvaney decided the best thing to do was just take a giant shit on the GOP's main talking point about the Ukraine call, that there was no quid pro quo. He said Trump talked to him about the DNC server in the Ukraine and that was part of the reason they held up the money. A reporter pointed out that's a quid pro quo and gave him the chance to walk it back, but Mulvaney said, we do that all the time with foreign policy. Yeah. Trump was reportedly very angry. After all, taking a giant shit on GOP talking points is his thing. Mm. So Mulvaney went on the Sunday shows to claim that he didn't say the things we all saw and heard him say. Yeah, which is what Trump does too. So, yeah. you know, chip off a shit off the old block. <laughs> Mulvaney also explained that Trump still considers himself to be in the hospitality business as a reason for his great and unmatched wisdom proving fallible even to Fox News when, in the middle of an impeachment inquiry and a significant self-created diplomatic crisis in Syria, and he thought to host the G7 Summit, a somewhat major international event, at Trump National Terrell Miami Golf Resort in Florida. Even though this looked for all the world like an attempt to promote a family business with declining revenue, apparently event planners at the White House had done some due diligence and found weirdly that Trump's awesome boasts were accurate and it should indeed be held there. Yeah, funny that. But ever sensitive to the mood of the nation, and his global standing, 
Of course, he acquiesced by tweeting furiously some blurbs straight from the resort's advertising brochure and blaming the hostile media and their Democrat partners for being crazy, despite him being willing to do it at no profit, which I thought was good of him in a stunningly corrupt kind of way. Trump's personal lawyer and body double for Edvard Munch's The Scream, Rudy Giuliani, has been having a bad couple of weeks. He was having lunch at Trump International Hotel in DC with two of his close associates, Ukrainian businessman Igor Fruman and Lev Parnas. After lunch, they said bye to Rudy and headed to Dulles with one-way tickets to Vienna, but they definitely weren't fleeing the country, mostly because they were arrested at the airport and indicted on charges of illegally funneling Russian money to Republican politicians' campaigns. Then the news broke that Rudy had been paid half a million dollars for work he did for their company, which was genuinely called Fraud Guarantee. <laughs> no word yet on whether he also worked for Emolument Violations, Inc. or Yes, We're Doing Trees and Why Do You Ask, LLC. <laughs> Another blow to his great wisdom and great sensitivity this week when Trump discovered that hoping to surprise the family of dead British teen Harry Dunn with a meeting with the woman who killed him kind of didn't go down too well. After the woman had fled the UK to the US, the Duns had made an appeal to PM Boris Johnson to intervene directly with Trump and were invited to meet Trump at the White House, where they made their case parent to parent, forgetting that he's a self-obsessed, cynical reality show failure who had, in true Jerry Springer fashion, got the sun-killing woman herself in the room next door, ready to come out on cue for the all and, let's face it, only important photo op. The Duns politely declined the opportunity to be horrifyingly ambushed in that way and their representative said that they thought they might meet her one day but on British soil with mediators, counsellors and their legal team in tow, i.e. in court for murder. Trump admitted yeah, they weren't ready for it but I worry now that he won't give a further toss about them. Actually, I don't worry, I feel sure he won't. Remember a few episodes ago we talked about the tax fraud Trump committed in filing the accounts oh, on his yeah. UK and Irish golf courses? Well, I hope you're sitting down because this is shocking. That wasn't the only time he's done it. ProPublica mm. obtained tax records for two of Trump's Manhattan buildings and the numbers he gave to his lender, Ladder Capital, indicated that the buildings were significantly more profitable than suggested by the property taxes he filed with the New York City Tax Office. Among other things, he lied to one or both of them let's face it, it's almost certainly both, <laughs> about occupancy levels and how many hundreds of thousands of dollars he paid for insurance. I think I'm starting to figure out why the IRS is taking so long with his audit. Hmm. They've been looking for the one transaction in Trump's personal law business life where he didn't break the law. Good luck, fellas. Wow. That's, God, I mean, you can kind of see how he'd think he would get away with it on UK soil. But <laughs> to do it there, what? That no. In a perfect illustration of the begging the question fallacy, Trump's top advisor on China, Peter Navarro, when asked if he had access to any economists who might provide much needed insight into the ongoing US China trade deal, he often quotes the work of Harvard educated economist Ron Vara in many of his books. Indeed, he's done so in his latest book, Death by China Confronting the Dragon, a Global Call to Action. Is it me and being British and being brought up on a diet of cryptic crosswords, Lewis Carroll and anagrams, or did I see through Ron Vara being Navarro in about five seconds? Navarro's publisher, not so quick. 
You'll note he's had several books published. They're a bit peeved. We take any breaches of our strict editorial standards very seriously and take swift, <coughs> cough, cough, action when one is identified. Navarro's less worried. He told Vice that Vara was a whimsical device and pen name I've used throughout the years for opinions and purely entertainment value, not as a source of fact. Of course, being to do with books, the White House has yet to comment on Navarro's fabrications, oh, and being to do with fabrications, brought into the administration in 2016, Navarro remains one of the president's most trusted advisers on trade. Yeah, we've we've heard about Navarro in our Fear Trump in the White House series. Yeah. Basically, he is the only economist who agrees with Trump. Yeah. Because it seems like he doesn't understand trade deals either. No. Um, and, and you literally can't find another one who will who will say the same stuff. So he made one up. He made it's one brilliant. up. Who is himself. Who is himself. <laughs> and, he, and then he kind of, uh, so he takes that and he goes, yeah, yeah. So read, I've got, here's the quote that supports my theory from this yeah. other economist called Ron, <laughs> Ron Vara. And how has nobody seen through it's that? It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there you go. That's there. There is the begging the question proof right there. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> and Trump's gone. Oh, right. Oh, so this guy thinks the same. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, yeah. very weird. Yeah. yeah. John never... Barron thinks the same as Trump as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. Those of us on the left who receive our monthly checks from George Soros know that the deep state is a real thing. But some Trump supporters along the East Coast found out the hard way last week when buses they'd chartered to take them to Washington to march against impeachment just didn't show up. Stranded would-be hate marchers claimed it was a Democrat conspiracy and the coach company was stopping them from exercising their First Amendment rights. As much fun as it would be to imagine a charter bus company taking a stand against the MAGA crowd, the truth is a bit more pedestrian. The group didn't pay for the buses. They didn't pay a deposit, only confirmed they wanted them a few hours before the buses were due to leave, and then their credit card was declined multiple times. <laughs> to be fair, that's exactly how Trump would have done it too. Yeah. <laughs> and then blamed them and said it's a conspiracy. Yeah, yeah, the uh, the, the democracy-hating bus companies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ah, oh, dear. Another page turned in the life of Alexander Boris to Feifel Johnson, aged nine and three quarters this week, when he returned triumphant from the EU with what he says is a terrific deal. It's neither. He sold the DUP in Northern Ireland down the river by moving the backstop to prevent border checks between Northern Ireland and the Republic to become a front stop, so they're now checks between England and the whole of Ireland, and then tried to have the Parliament vote on a Saturday to say yes or no to it without having any time to read the thing, let alone discuss it. Recently, thanks to Boris X, Tory MP Oliver Letwin added an amendment that said Parliament would only be prepared to vote on the deal once all the due diligence and checks and balances have been gone through. You know, that pesky parliamentary constituent duty scrutiny stuff. So Bozza had to send a letter to the EU, as per the law, recently voted through Parliament, asking for an extension beyond the 31st October deadline to prevent the UK leaving with no deal and prevent the attendant economic disaster that Chancellor Sajid doesn't know about happening. 
In a statesmanlike way, befitting of the office he holds, Boris stuck two fingers up, blew a raspberry and sent an unsigned, photocopied version of the letter of request, along with another saying, they made me do it, those big boys there, I didn't want to, it's not fair, I'm the king of the world, listen to me. Fortunately, the adults in the EU are used to dealing with unruly children, put him in the garden with a teething ring and a diaper change whilst the grown-ups talked. Stay tuned. Honestly, when you wrote down hua hua in the notes, yeah. I thought it was just a Boris noise. I ah, thought, okay. Wah, wah, wah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, okay, yes, it could be. It's exactly <laughs> is, isn't it? He's not grown up at all, has he? That's what it is. Listen, listen to me, I'm King of the World. It's a toddler's noise and he's not grown out of it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's all the bad arguments and faulty reasoning we have time for this episode. You can find the show notes at fallaciousTrump.com and if you hear Trump say something stupid and want to ask if it's a fallacy, our contact details are on the contact page. If you think we've used a fallacy ourselves, let us know. And if you've had a good time, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. And you can support the show on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash ftrump. You can also connect with us and other listeners in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fallaciousfront. All music is by The Outbursts and was used with permission. So until next time on Fallacious Trump, we'll leave the last word to the Donald. That's right, go home to mommy. Bye. Bye.